Well, blessings to all of you. Great to see everyone. And um, we're heading towards Easter. You saw this little insert in your handout. And uh, this is actually just a way to remind everyone about the uh, schedule that's going to be sort of um, part of the whole Easter weekend celebration that we have. And it's designed also for you to be able to invite people, friends, family, coworkers. And you can kind of mix and match. We have a, a couple of different ways of approaching it. As you can see, we have uh, created, we like to do this, is one of the things we like to do is we try to create something unique um, artistically that can honor the Lord in his death and in his resurrection. And uh, this year we have something very different than, than what we've done in the years past. We're calling it Come and See. And uh, it's kind of an invitation. And you can see the times where this is going to be happening. It's going to be happening that entire Easter weekend there. And uh, it's not that far away, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then while this is going on here at the Mission Campus, the Come and See presentation, there's going to be also two options on the Lake Merced Campus, which is on the west side of the city. And I'm actually going to be sharing over there for two services with the team. And so that will be just an opportunity for everyone to kind of mix and match and think about what would be best for who you wanted to bring and where. And um, also we have a very different kind of a service that we do every Good Friday. Um, that is more reflective. It focuses on the cross. We know not everybody can get off on, um, away from work and such. But if you want to, that's an opportunity for you also to have and to participate in. And so uh, just be aware of all these things. Some really exciting things that have to do with celebrating with so many people all over the world who have made a decision to make their way towards this moment. When we mark it, we mark the, the love of God as revealed in Jesus and uh, his death and what his living means for all of us. So I'm gonna go ahead and pray. We are talking about life transformation, transforming life. It's everything that Jesus came to do. But I'm gonna ask God to just bless our time. And Lord, I pray for you to just be among us. And uh, I know that as we look at your words, we look at the way that you, you modeled life, that you also invite us into places, uh, places where we are, you know, in a way, asked, sometimes compelled, sometimes, Lord, you just gently nudge us along. Other times, it's like a lightning bolt. But we, we sense, Lord, that you are calling us towards things. And uh, I pray that you would work in our lives transformation. I pray for the blessing over everyone who is here, um, those who know you and who maybe followed you for a while, those who are coming perhaps for the first time or just beginning to explore what it even means to open up our, our lives to Jesus. And so, Lord, we just welcome your goodness and grace among us all. In your name I ask this. Amen, God. Amen. So, you know, there were ill winds blowing. It was uh, in the old proverbial sailor's proverb, you know, what is it, the red sky in the morning, sailor's warning. It was red sky in the morning. Jesus could see it. He knew it. He could feel the cross. It wasn't that far away. People were beginning to be offended by him. He had brought some of it on. He had challenged authority, especially in Jerusalem. He, he was receiving the, the praise of people who were calling him Messiah. And he understood the implications of what the Father's plan was, that it was going to ultimately lead him down a path that a part of him did not want to pursue. He knew the cross was coming. He could see it. It was, it was months away, but it was near. Bible scholars call this third year of Jesus' public ministry, they call it the year of opposition. And it was the beginning of a time in which people began to oppose him 
in more intentional ways. People begin to plot his death. And you'll see that as we look at this passage here in Mark 9, that is sort of the background for what's going on. Look with me if you can. It says, leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. That is Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus didn't want anyone to know where he, he was there. He actually wanted to spend more time with his disciples. And he wanted to teach them. So this is interesting. Part of what Jesus was really wanting to do was teach his closest team even more at this time. As he could see this critical time beginning to come to a close, it made him even more, I think, um, desirous to focus in on his core team and the, the ones who he had invested the most into. But then he told them something, something they didn't want to hear, something they actually didn't hear. The son of man, he's speaking of himself, is going to be betrayed. So he starts telling them what's going to happen. He's going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. They had, he had enemies. And he's going to be killed. But then three days later, he will rise from the dead. But look what it says falls right behind that. Because it looks like that's pretty clear. But it says they didn't understand what he was saying. They really didn't get it. Is he talking figuratively? Is it metaphoric? I mean, surely he can't mean he's, he's going to be killed that way. Well, what does that mean? What is he getting at? And what we're told is an interesting phrase here. It says in verse 52, look at it. It says they didn't understand what he was saying. However, but they were afraid to ask him what he meant. Which is curious because why would you be afraid to ask Jesus? You know? Jesus was not by any way of looking at a person to be afraid of. I mean, he was an eminently approachable person. People weren't afraid of Jesus. He had this real ability to connect with people. He, never, he, didn't, he didn't talk down to people. Um, he welcomed them into the Father's kingdom. There was a, a graciousness, a meekness about him, a beauty, a sensitivity, a gentleness. There were times when he would speak with tremendous intensity and passion, but by and large, People were not afraid of him, nor, they, nor was he proud. Um, he was noted for his humility. So there were, it's interesting, because why then would they be afraid? Well, maybe in the back of their minds, they had remembered something that happened to Peter when Peter had challenged Jesus a little while back. And he had said, Lord, you know, no, we're not going to let that happen to you. And Peter had gotten like a major rebuke, I mean, big time one, where Jesus said to him, you're not even speaking to me as a, the enemy is speaking right through you. You're trying to pull me off course. Get behind me, Satan. You desire not the things of God, the things of men. In other words, Jesus knew where he was going. Maybe the disciples were going, you know, we're not going to bring this up. Last time Peter did, he got in real big trouble. So we're just going to back off on this. But it's clear they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And notice what else happens. It says that after, it says after they arrived at Capernaum and they settled in the house, Jesus asked his disciples, and I know why, because... They were told here that he, they had been um, having a discussion on the road. Now watch what was happening. Their discussion had to do with, um, because they were arguing as to who was the greatest among them. The reason they didn't want to think about what Jesus was saying about death and, is that they believed he was going to set up a kingdom. And that kingdom was going to have power. And that power was going to have order and hierarchy. And what we know is on the road, and Jesus asked the question, hey, what were you guys... Um, what are you guys arguing about back there? I noticed you got into some interesting, intense discussions. What was that all about? Now, remember the first time Jesus asked them, it mentions, you know, the Son of Man is going to be killed, and they don't understand what he means. Everybody's silent. No one wants to talk. Now Jesus is saying, you know, I noticed they get to the house. They're all in this house. Jesus says to them, it's, it's, Capernaum was our home base. 
Many people believe the house actually was Peter's house. We know they were all there in this house. This large gathering. And Jesus, the men are they're scattered around other followers as well. People are connected to the whole Jesus, if we can call it that. There was a bit of a movement of people who were with him. And Jesus calls his disciples and he says, listen, I, you know, I was noticing you guys were arguing a lot back there. What was it that you were talking about? And whenever Jesus asks us a question like that, you know something's about to happen because they, they had been arguing as to who was the greatest, who was the first, who deserved to be in the greatest position of power. They were having a discussion and they were competing with each other. And Jesus was aware of that. And you've got to understand that as Jesus is talking to them and as he's asking them, they, he says, so what was it about? Nobody says anything. I can imagine them looking at each other like, Duh. Duh. No one wants to say anything. Maybe they even felt ashamed. I'm sure they did. Ah, it's nothing, Lord. Nothing. They had been arguing as to who was the greatest, who was to get the position of prominence. It was sad. And then Jesus says, hey, everybody, I want you... Everybody come here. Everybody come here. And again, you've got to put yourself right in this picture. What does he basically say? Look at this. He says, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing as to which of them was the greatest, which of them would have the position of greater power. And he sat them down. He sat down. Let me just say, he sits down. And he, he called the disciples over. He said, I want you all to come here. Everybody, come here. I need you to gather in here. I want to talk to you. Come on. Let's talk. I want to tell you something. Watch what he says. He sat down and he called the 12 over to him and he says, listen to me, because I know what you've been arguing about. Maybe you were upset about who went up to the mountain. Maybe some of you are trying to tell the others that you deserve to be first in line and why. I want to talk to you about something. This is very important to me because a lot of you are thinking in ways that are exactly contrary to the way that I want you to think. And then he says these words. He says this. And I can see him like saying, look at me. Whoever wants to be first. Whoever wants to be first. You need to take last place. This is different. And if you, if you want to be the great one, then you need to learn to be the servant of the other. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're powerful. And they, when he asked the question, what were you arguing about? They said, nothing. Come here, I want to tell you something. If you want to be great in my, in my eyes, it's not about competing with one another, who can be the most ambitious, who's the best, who's the most qualified, who has the favored spot. No, that's not it. You, that's not how it's going to work. It's not how it works with me. Fact, in fact, and, he, and the Bible says that Jesus saw a little one in the back of the room. And he says, come here, come here, come here. Look at it. You'll see it for yourself. It says that he, he, he put a little child among them, and he took the child, come here. And he took the child in his arms. I thought it was a beautiful picture of Jesus. He's got, maybe some people say, oh, it's Peter, well, it Peter's children. Whoever that house was, a little child. And Jesus takes the child in his arms, and he says, look at this. He says, whoever receives this little one <laughs> receives me. And whoever receives me receives my father. Now, in the same way, listen, listen, in the same way that if you, you, look, when you love this child, you love me. I, this, 
There's, no comp, there's nothing here, but there's, there's no competing. I'm not competing here. This is just the love. I want you to love each other in the same way. There's nothing to get here. It's tender, it's honest, it's true. Don't compete with each other. Don't do that. Don't try to get the one up on the other. It's not my way. You gotta be like a child. Love like a child. Love like this. Don't compete with each other. All right, you got, do we understand that? Very, and, and, you know, and you get the impression that the Lord is trying to say, this is, this is a different, how, you don't compete, compete with this. You just enjoy this. This is how you gotta be with me. You it's not about fighting amongst yourselves and achieving and success and who gets to be in the power. And all. That's not what we're talking about. Be calm. And you get the impression that John is listening because he's one of the disciples. Who's, sometimes people say he was the most sensitive of the group. You get the impression that he's listening because as John is listening to Jesus, we're told that something happens. And perhaps, you know, John is the one who will write the, the gospel that is the most about the love of God. So he starts out with this ferocious temper. By the time God's done with him, there's this amazing love that's in this man. It's planted deeply. It shows up in, his, in the gospel of John. It'll show up later in the epistles, when, which talk about relational love and how if we say we love God, but we don't love people, then that's kind of empty. Especially those who we should be loving the most. And then the book of Revelations, John will write, and that talks about the overarching, conquering love of God. It's all about God's love. John is listening to Jesus, though. And what I love about this is it tells me that John is getting it. And a lot of times it's like you and I, when we hear something, like sometimes we might hear a message, or we might be reading the Bible, or something, we've been thinking about something, we've been praying perhaps, reflecting, and all of a sudden something comes and it hits us like, you know what, I think, I think we start thinking about something that happened a few days back, or an exchange we had with someone, maybe at work, or a situation that occurred at home, or a conversation we had when we were talking. Something occurs, we're reading, this is how it works a lot of times, we're reading something, we're listening to God, we're hearing something, and all of a sudden our mind, may, our mind goes back to something, we go, we feel like something, I wonder if, I wonder if I handled that right. And John is watching, because remember, they've been competing. Jesus uses the illustration of the child and says, this is how I need you guys. You guys need to love each other. I don't want you competing with each other. I, don't, I want you to treat each other like with, you're not threatened by this little one, are you? I don't, need you? I don't want you threatened by each other. I don't want you to do that. John's listening, and he's thinking about it. You can tell it's on his mind. Look what he says. It's like, it's like something pops up, and he says, teacher, I... I you know, I, I want to, I kind of want to, as I was listening to you, I, there's something that's been on my mind. As you can see, it's so human. He goes, you know, the, um, there were these guys, and they were, they weren't part of our group, but they were using your name to do stuff. And they were, look what he says. He says, teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons. There were some spiritual things that they were doing, and we told them to stop because we say, you're not part of our group. You, you can't use that name because you're not one of us. And, and, and you can tell it's on John's mind because it's sort of like what has caused him to think about that because he's, he's thinking about what Jesus has been saying about, about being, more, being loving and being humble. And, 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 and it's kind of, it's, as he's thinking about it, it, he brings up his mind. He goes, well, Lord, I... I I'm wondering, did I handle this right? How good is that? 
Did I handle this right? Because I told this person that they, they weren't part of our group, so they needed to be quiet. And, and Jesus says, you know, John, and I hear, you know what I hear in Jesus? I hear Jesus saying, John, that is so good. That is so good. You are hearing me. What you're doing is you're taking this truth and you're playing it back and you're bringing it into your real life. Do you know how good that is, John? It's like, it's like when we hear something and then we begin to implement it into places, we begin to wrestle with it. It's like, and Jesus says, John, John, in the older version says, forbid them not. John, he says to John, when that happens, do not stop them. Don't do that. Look what he says. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. No, anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you, look, even, even if he gives you a, a, a cup of water because you belong to Messiah, listen, I tell you this truth, that that person will surely be rewarded. John, that's exactly it. You've done exactly what I wanted you to do. That's what I want you to do. You took this and you started thinking about your life and some things that happened. Perfect, beautiful. And by the way, have an inclusiveness, walk in humility. Do you understand what I'm saying? Walk in humility. Some things are going to happen. Things are going to get rocky. It's going to get really bad. But do not forget the things I've taught you. Do not forget that you are not to compete with one another. You are to love one another. It's a different way. The powerful truth. You are to walk in humility, in and out. Love each other. Start there. Work at it. And then expand your circle. Accommodate. Oh, it's a good word. It's a really good word. Even those who are not part of the group. Try to, okay. Some people, by the way, have an easier time sometimes loving people who are outside of the faith. Maybe we think less of, maybe we expect less of those. And then I've, I've known people who sometimes have such a hard time with those who share our love for Jesus. And there's such a tendency to be impatient, judgmental, and ungracious within the context of community. I've seen that, by the way, in families as well. Why is that? A stranger, some of us, can, we would, we, we're friendly, kind, courteous, but then if we lose our temper in our own, or somehow because of familiarity in our own home, or with people we're close to, friends, we can say things that are just deeply wounding, and somehow we have permission because we're more familiar to wound more freely. This is not to be so, right? What is that? I mean, you know what's interesting? When Jesus started with love, you know, it's interesting. He said, the way that people really will know that you are my disciples is the love that you exhibit one to another. He said, now, he said a lot of other things that would reflect his, him. He could have said, the true mark will be your good works or your, the way in which you, you know, the, the code of, of belief that you have, that you protect. Those things are good. He said, but the real, the real distinguishing characteristic is going to be the love that you exhibit in relationship, in close relationship. That is going to demonstrate the reality of my love at work in your life in a way that is very different. And again, it reminds us sometimes how easy it is to be loving and good, but then we get into our internal relationships, we really struggle. And so a lot of what Jesus is getting at is getting to the core of how we live our lives. Now, I'll take this a little bit further and I'll put something up there. I want us to wrestle with it. 
here's what we need to do. Number one, I want to just kind of present this and we'll sit with it, is I think it was really important as we look at this piece to guard our hearts, especially because we're talking about transformation, right? The whole theme of this is transforming life and how Jesus will transform our life. And I'm going to suggest that we really need to guard our heart, especially when it comes to envy and pride and self-seeking. In other words, we are to guard against a kind of an, an unhealthy ambition that, you know, the things that our culture tends to push us towards. I really believe that. Um, I was talking to someone last night, and they were saying, you know, I feel so much pressure from people around me, the people I work with. It's a very, it's a very competitive environment I'm in. And so much of, of my sense of worth is connected to achievement. And I feel this pressure. And I've talked to other people who, once we get to a certain status, we feel so much pressure in that, that it becomes kind of a, a suffocating environment of expectations. We begin to define ourselves on the basis of how we're accepted. And I want to suggest that Jesus will challenge that at times in our lives. Because essentially, the Lord, the Lord does not want us to pursue things or titles or acquisitions as a sign of validation. And we live in a culture in which validation comes through those things. Sometimes how we look, how much power we can, uh, you know, be able to hold, um, how much success where our title is. I don't know, the things that men, we people, Jesus said, this, our world seeks after as a sign of, now you've made it. You are somebody. Jesus said, that's not true, actually. He actually said that real success is not defined on the basis of the things that we temporarily possess. He says, do not ever make the mistake of assuming that life's true meaning can be contained through possessions or achievement of temporary accolades. It's not so. He says, I tell you, you'd be far, listen, he said, to love God and to love, there it is, others. Let's start there. And then, and then but I'll say this, there, what's going to happen though is following Jesus is in a certain sense, if you hear it, it's an exercise in humility. It really is. It, uh, it's going to call us to conversion. It's going to call us to live sacrificially. Conversion to me means, like, there will be times when God's going to ask us to take up a cross and challenge something in our lives that maybe we don't want to do, but God's calling us to do it and to respond. It's going to call us to live graciously. Sometimes it's going to involve a struggle, introspection, self-reflection. It's going to call us intern into the internal places of evaluation. Do, uh, do you see what Jesus was doing with his disciples? I mean, you look at this, right? Look how, look how Jesus was working with. When I was reading this, I started thinking, Lord, I see what you're doing here. I hope, I hope in some small way I can convey how rich and beautiful this life of following Jesus is. Because you know why? What it does is it really reminds us that God invites us into internal places. He's, he, gets, he wants us to wrestle with things. Look what he's doing with the disciples. They're all concerned about greatness. So he pulls them in, and he, start, he asks them a question. What were you arguing about? Hmm. Then after he gets them to thinking, I want to talk to you some more about this. So he asks the question, and he uses an illustration. When he gets the illustration, he says, now this is how I need you to think about things. Look at this. Remember this. Then after he talked to them about what greatness looks like, then he comes back, and John then starts taking it, interacts with what Jesus has been teaching and sharing, and he starts putting it and probing into his own life. And he goes back, and he says, what about this incident that occurred? That's and so Jesus is working with them, pushing them. You see what he's doing? He's getting into this place. He's getting into their lives. He's getting them to think. It's not, oh, just believe this. 
He's interacting. He's getting in there. He's saying, well, how does your faith affect this? I want you to think. I want you to look at each other. I want you to understand what you are doing. Do you see what I'm saying? See, that's what he's doing. That's the exact thing he does with us. He works with us. I mean, how great is this life? Because it pushes us. This, when you really get into it, following Jesus is like this, this beautiful, magnificent invitation to know ourselves, to grow, to find, to be able to explore things inside and outside. I mean, it's this like deep place God begins to work in us. It's not just, oh, I'm doing my religious piece here. There's so much more connected to the Lord. There's going to be struggles and there's going to be things that God's going to want to put his finger on. There's going to be healing places. There's going to be discovery moments. I mean, this is an adventure. This is a life of faith that has so much more to it. And when we begin to see it, it's like, do we see how he works with us? Do we really see it? Oh, as long as we stay with him, he will work with us. And even when we run away from him, He'll pursue us. <laughs> I think you understand this. The minute we've really been exposed to Jesus, get, we're ruined. We're ruined. Because we can, we're ruined by grace. Because we can never run away. Once we know, even when we go back, we can never go back. Once you know, we're ruined for grace. But how good is that blessed brokenness? How good is that blessed fault? Because what it does is it means that our life is changed. And once I've come to know you, Lord, you will pursue me. Even when I am running, you will pursue me. Right? Like the hound of heaven on my trail. Through the dark alleys, I try to escape you, but you are on my trail. The Lord pursues us. He pursues us at all levels. He begins to probe. He works with us. He... See, I think Jesus is working with us the same way that he was working with the disciples. I think the Lord is saying, can you see this? Can you see this? Can you take this concept and then do what John just did with it? Take it and put it into your real life. How's that showing up relationally, John? How's that showing up? Can we just admire the theological concept? No! I want you to take this and really let it go inside. And I want you to think about it. How does it, how does it affect how you think about yourself? How does, it think about how, how does it affect how you relate to other people? How does it affect how we work through things? How does it affect things? See, this is the whole point. Secondly, I'll put this up as well, is that instead of we are actually to give ourselves to, other, to those who need us, and on top of that, we're being reminded that we're to cultivate a kind of gracious, I'll call it a wide faith. So instead of pursuing notoriety, competing, living for ourselves, we're, we're to... We really are to live for those who God's given us. And we got to start there. For the disciples, he was really trying to check their concept of greatness, wasn't he? And he was reminding them to give and to serve each other in humility. And he said, greatness is not found in advancement. It's not found in acquisition. It's not found in preferment. Who's in the front? Don't, don't. That's not how it is. It's, it's about being sacrificial. It's about being willing to wrestle with things and to do what I'm about to do. And I'm going to show you how it's done. I'm going to show you. You watch me closely. Because in the days ahead, I'm going to walk into something I don't want to walk into. And you're going to see what love looks like. Because love is not about self. 
It's about giving my life away so others may live. There's something in that powerful. Not only that, he says, it's a gracious faith. It's a wide faith. What do I mean? Think about it. It doesn't mean that there aren't core things we need to believe. I mean, to follow Jesus is to believe things that are true and that he's taught us. There are doctrines to hold on to. There are teachings we need to hold. Jesus was, if there is nothing to hold on to as a core belief, then there was no need for Jesus to be crucified because he was crucified precisely on his confession and declaration that he was indeed God's only begotten son, the Messiah who's come to give his life away. So it was on that core confession that Jesus ends up dying. The early church understood what that was like. They did not grow up as part of dominant culture. They were in a Greco-Roman, even Jewish culture at times, but predominantly the early church emerges in a Greco-Roman culture. They were not a majority. They were, they were, it was, it was, they were like a, against the grain of dominant culture, but they held to core values that gave them an identity. And it's important that the church, that those who follow Jesus hold to the core values that Jesus gave us, regardless of the prevailing winds of culture. I get that. And yet having said that, there needs to be a wide view to us. What Jesus is teaching us, at least in part, is, you know what, John? Don't get caught up in being, don't, don't become sectarian. Don't, don't remember, there are, not everybody's going to do it exactly like we do it. Someone will put the accent on a different place. It's okay. It's okay. It's a big tent. Make room. In other words, let your love show up relationally, okay? Last thing, and I'll leave it with this. God calls us to be transformed from the inside out. Remember, this is all about transformation. What do I mean inside out? He wants to do a work in us, I'm convinced. But that work is designed to show up. So it's, not, it's like, if, if I could put it this way, sometimes we the work that he's trying to do inside of us is, is supposed to be something that affects how we relate to other people. Transformation in Christ has to show up in relational growth. It's not, that's all this, his, his primary interaction right here is all about relationship. It's about how we treat one another. And if you look, if you think about what he was getting at, I mean, he's really pushing, he's saying, look, it's, it's not just right believers, but it's being, it's right being with others. It's not just inner wholeness, which is huge. God wants to heal us on the inside. But it's for the purpose of relationship. It's relational growth. It's how we treat people. So there are going to be times when God's going to humble us. That's what I'm getting at. And he's going to reveal an aspect of our character that he wants to change or reform. It's an interesting word. Like a master potter. This is, you are his art piece. And he wants to keep working on our lives. And... You'll see it every now and then. There are things of our past or experience we're having or struggles or ways of seeing, ways of relating, patterns we've gotten into, the way we treat people at certain moments, right buttons are pushed, this comes out of me, or we fall back. All this. So the Lord's trying to work us, right, into something. And every now and then, it'll be like a little piece here, and it's just like, the Lord will just, I, oh, yeah, Lord, I, I, I see you're trying to get me to respond here. Yes, yes, I need to look at that. But there are other times where it's like major... Right, right in there. And it's like, oh, oh, God, that is so, that's so hard. That is really hard. What you're trying to get me to move to, do you know how hard that is for me right now? That is like really hard. I don't want that. I'll, the little one, okay. But that's like a major thing you're trying to get at in me. And I don't want to go there. 
For one thing, it's painful. I don't know if I'm ready to look at that even. But God at times is going to take us in these places where he's going to just keep working. There are things, this is what I was explaining this morning. I was saying, there are things sometimes that God's trying to, to harness. And um, harness is not, uh, it, it's like, it's like, it's like okay. He's saying that it's not like I'm going to make you do anything. It's not, it's not like that. It's, it's more like if you will yield to me here. I can do some amazing things, but you've got to have to let me work with you to get there. I need this to, it's not like this is, you can't, but if you are willing to let this be challenged, then it's going to be able to create a, a, a capacity to contain something that I want to put into your life that wouldn't be able to be there. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and then there are other times where God's trying to get us, not necessarily to, to he's trying to harness, he's, he's actually trying to, in a way, if I can put it in a different way, he's trying to broaden us or expand us. So it's almost like there are times where God's trying to, to get some things, he goes, we gotta get our handle on this because if we can get this under control, it might be a, a, an unhealthy habit that we fall back into, an addiction that we drop back into when the heat is on us, or a way of thinking that we just always fall back into. And God's trying to say, you know what, I, I need, I want to get into that. And, and there might be other things where the Lord's trying to broaden us out. Like we've got gifts that he's, he's got. He's, he's wanting to create an additional room to express himself through our lives. But he's going to have to get, if I look at it, I almost see his hands going inside and pushing out. He's trying to create more room in us to be able to contain more of what he wants to do through us. Sometimes that involves letting go. I had a... I, I won't call it an emotional moment because it didn't qualify as an emotional moment, but it was a marking moment. I had, we've had, I had a car. We bought a car in 1999, and yesterday we sold it. And I'm not going to say I was deeply moved in the process, <laughs> but I was surprised when it drove off, and it barely did, but it did. <laughs> As is, okay? And, um, <laughs> but, you know, I looked at the pile that had represented all those years. And I remember what that car had been through with all of us. I remember there was a time where it was so new. And then progressively it got to where it got. Finally, we were letting it go. And I was thinking, you know, there are these moments in life where, where God just kind of brings us to place where we need to let, we, we're like, it's like the Lord saying, okay, just hear me. You've had it long enough. It's time to let it go. And that's interesting, isn't it, when God brings us these places? Let it go. I, got, I have something different for you. New, I have something I want to do that's different. Let me do it. Now, when we, when we come to this, this close, which we're about to get to, this um, song that we share is really a prayer. And I just want to say one or two things about it. After our time of giving, we're going to share it, this song. And as we think about, I would like us to think about, hear me, are there some things that we're afraid of? I'd like us to consider, in the process of, of just receiving this song that we're going to close with, I'd like us to think about, Lord, are there things that I sense that you're maybe calling me to let go of, but I'm afraid to? And maybe right now we're just wrestling. And it's okay, because sometimes struggle and wrestling go together for, listen, I have certain seasons in my life with God where 
It's the only true life I have to talk about directly. Where I've struggled and over certain things for long periods of time. And it's okay. It's okay. Some of us are given extraordinary grace for certain areas. Others of us, we may have some challenges for a long time. It's okay. The Lord loves you. Surrender yourself to him. In this song, we get just to say, Lord, if there's anything that I'm holding on to, in this moment, I will be in this moment, and I will, I will invite you into this place, into the interior place. Speak your words of life to me in these minutes. Okay? I'm going to pray. Lord, I want to ask you to just be among us as we take this time and we're talking about transformation. It's where we've been. It's where we're going. It's what we're celebrating, even in you. And now I want to ask, Lord, that you would just keep doing work in our lives. I pray for that. I really do. I know you love us. Um, you give mercy to the humble and grace. You do not require us to have everything together. You require us to have a humble heart. And then you can begin to work. So I just pray that your grace would be upon us in these closing minutes. This is what I ask. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.